Welcome to this week's sermon from Amblecote Christian Centre. We continue our More Than Me series. Have you been enjoying our More Than Me series? Yeah, we've had a short break, a couple of weeks, uh, just to focus on some other things. But um, yeah, we're going to return back to it. And what we're doing in this series really is looking at uh, the Old Testament, some of the Old Testament legal texts, and thinking about how God establishes a way of life uh, for the people of Israel that is about more than just individual living, more than about me, my, my life, uh, much of what we see in our day, in our culture today, uh, and how God establishes a different way of life, and then how that challenges us and speaks to us today. So let's just pray uh, before we kick off. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak so clearly to us that you don't leave us uh, to figure it out on our own, Lord, but that you not only give us your word, but you give us your spirit. And uh, we pray that you'll speak to us um, via your spirit, through your word this morning, and that our lives will reflect what we've been singing more and more, that you are Lord, uh, and that you are powerful, and that you overcome in our lives, Lord. We thank you for that. Amen. So today we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture that talks about the Sabbath, and how God gives the Israelites the uh, Sabbath uh, as a way of speaking into this life that is about more than just me. But I'm aware that we've talked about Sabbath quite a bit in our church family over the years. Um, Adrian did a whole church teaching, a whole section talking about Sabbath and rest. So you may have been, um, may have listened to that and been on some of the discussions. Uh, And Dave Hadley touched into this a few weeks ago when he talked about the Ten Commandments. So what I want to do is more consider Sabbath in the context of trust. We're going to be talking about trust and thinking about where our trust is, particularly our community trust, our together trust. Uh, Psalm 20 verse 7 says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. At that time when this was written, obviously horses and chariots were the forces, the, you know, the army of the day, the protection of the day against the enemies. Uh, so we could might say, you know, um, some trust in the navy, some trust in the military, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So I wonder, just to put that thought into your mind at the start of this message, where is your trust? Where is your trust? So if you want to turn in your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus 31. And it's, uh, we're going to read from verse 12, and this is all about... God giving the Sabbath or commanding the Sabbath uh, to his people. So Exodus 31 verse 12 says this, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath 
observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So for anyone new to church or um, not that well acquainted with Old Testament, then the Sabbath was basically a period of time that God commanded the Israelites to rest. Uh, They had to stop working, stop labouring, stop their business and give their time to uh, family, to community, uh, to worship, to prayer, to celebrating and things like that. And in the Jewish tradition, it was normally observed from sundown on Friday evening until the evening of Saturday. So a sort of 24-hour period in the life of the whole of Israel where everything would stop and they would give time. Um, Often there was um, sort of like food and celebrating, worship of God, that sort of thing. Now clearly things are reshaped for us today uh, as Jesus' followers. The life, death and the resurrection. We no longer have to put anyone to death who is caught. Still holds weight for us as Christians too. And we'll talk a bit about that in a moment. And today when we think about the word rest, Some of us might think about, I don't know what comes to mind when I say, you know, you've got to rest. Some of us, it might be slobbing out, watching Strictly, putting on some rubbish on the telly, you know, getting a pack of crisps and just sitting there. That might be our idea of rest. But Sabbath really was established in creation. So it said that on the seventh day, God rested. Or he's sort of ceasing from doing, ceasing and stopping So as God doesn't get tired, but he does say that he ceased. He stopped the work and rested. And it says that that he did that in Genesis 2. And now what he does is he calls his people also to cease and to stop and to rest. And Dave did, I think, an excellent introduction to the Ten Commandments a few weeks ago. And he talked in that about how we need to understand the Ten Commandments as foundational to the law. So what God did is established the, the, um, the Ten Commandments as a sort of foundation that then throughout the law they were built on and developed and understood. So if you imagine you're given, you know, um, thou shalt not murder or thou shalt not steal as a foundational stone and then you've got to work out or God then teaches into how that works out practically in your life. I heard someone talk about how in the law it talks about how you have to have railings around the top of your house. And it seems a bit of an odd thing to say, but it was because if somebody, they used to sleep on the top of the houses, and if someone got up in the middle of the night and had a, you know, a a dream and walked off the end of the house and would fall to their death, then actually you would be responsible in some way. So our responsibilities in the way that we live out the laws uh, are really important. And Dave also shared um, how half of the commandments really are sort of very common amongst the people of the ancient Near East. They were regular commandments. You can find them in any sort of list of laws of the time. Many societies felt that you shouldn't kill people. That was kind of generally a, a done thing. Many societies felt that you shouldn't steal and even honour our fathers and mothers. That was common 
at the time. However, there are a number of the laws that are unique to Israel and particularly Sabbath was very unique, unheard of in ancient times and arguably really in our day to day. Of course, at that time, you wouldn't stop doing work. Of course, you wouldn't stop doing what you're doing. You know, at that time, they were barely getting enough food to sort of feed their families. They were fighting against the land, against wild beasts, against enemies coming to attack them. So the thought of just stopping for 24 hours was bizarre and strange at the time. And so sometimes we talk about how similar Israel's culture was to the people around. Many times, it's not in the similarities where God is revealed. Often it's in the differences. How were Israel different to the people around them at the time? And Sabbath was very, very different. God establishes a way of life in Israel that shows them and people around them. This is what life looks like when you're walking with God. This is what life is about. So, I wonder if we realise that the way that we live our life probably, well, I'm pretty sure, speaks more about our deepest beliefs than our words ever could. Jesus' harshest sort of criticism often was for the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders of the day, because they would say all the right things, they would repeat the laws and teach the laws, and yet the way that they lived reflected that they didn't really believe the things that they said. And Jesus says in Matthew 23 um, that they preached but didn't practice. You know, we talk about practice what you preach, don't we? And in fact, the, the way that the religious, religious leaders acted at feasts and with the poor and in their prayers demonstrated that most of the time they were more interested in money and power and position and those things, the normal things that people obsess over. They were more obsessed about those kind of things than about the kingdom of God. So even though they said the right things, the way that they lived their life demonstrated that they didn't really believe them. It wasn't really their deepest held belief. And that is still true today. Our actions speak louder than our words. Our lives speak of what we truly believe and demonstrate in many ways what is actually going on deep within us. We can look at our lives, analyse our lives and think about what we really believe. And so what God does is he establishes Sabbath as a way of life for the Israelites to speak of a deeper truth that he wanted his people and the people who came into contact with his people to know. So he talks about in Exodus 31 that's about Sabbath being a sign. It says that Sabbath is a sign. Um, now what is a sign? Uh, a sign is something that points to something else. Yeah. So if I say, you know, um, there's a sign for the zoo, you would know that you're not going to go and stand at the sign and be at the zoo. Yeah, that makes sense. Because he's got a sign saying that way to the zoo. If I say go to the zoo, you're not going to go and stand at the sign because the sign points to something very real. It's got substance. It's real, but it's um, not. It's not actually pointing to itself. It's pointing to something else, to another. Uh, reality, And that's what um, our lives do. And I think that's what Sabbath did for the people of Israel. It's a sign that points to a far deeper reality in the people of God. It speaks of something else. So I, what I want to do this morning is 
look at what keeping the Sabbath pointed to for the people of Israel. When they kept the Sabbath, what were some of the things, we won't have to do all of them, some of the things that it was pointing to for them and their lives. And particularly thinking about trust. So number one, Sabbath was a sign that God is the creator. Exodus 31 verse 17 says this, it is a sign, talking about Sabbath, it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So as Israel stops for Sabbath, they cease from their work, they cease from their toil and their hardship, their labour and they worship and they pray and they eat and they commune and they share in their relationships and enjoy the people around them. Through this, what they're doing is they demonstrate to themselves and to the people around them that they are not the creator, but God is the creator. And they remind themselves that they are creatures. They're holy, lovingly, powerfully, intentionally, and powerfully made by a creator, God. And I am convinced that we absolutely forget this in our day. I am convinced. And for many of us who are Christians, I think that we agree with this with our words, but our lives often demonstrate that we don't really see ourselves as the creator, but um, as the created, but often see ourselves as the creator. And there's a a band, it's an old band now, Tim Murray put me onto this because he's into his old music. I'm current. Not. Uh, but um, an old band called Incubus. Anyone remember Incubus? I think we missed a few generations there. So it's sort of 90s. I think around the 90s sort of area. And they have a song and it's called Make Yourself. And it's a great sort of social commentary and a reflection of what we believe in our day. Here's some of the words. It says, if I hadn't made me, I would have been made somehow. If I hadn't assembled myself, I'd have fallen apart by now. If you let them make you, they'll make you paper mache. At a distance, you're strong until the wind comes, then you crumble and blow away. But if you really want to live, why not try and make yourself? What a great summary of our culture's way of seeing who we are. We are to make ourselves, create ourselves, choose our identities and make who we are. That is the answer that an individualistic culture comes up with make ourselves to be whoever we want to do, form our own identities and create who we are. But holding holding Sabbath gave Israel a constant reminder. Every, Every week, you're not the creator. You're not the creator. You are the created. You are the created. And it's interesting, I think, that Jesus also links trust with creation. In Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses the whole topic of of anxiety, which we said is a massive challenge, I think, for us in our day. And I think partly because we we deep down believe some of these things, that we believe that it's all down to us and we're we're the creator, etc. But Jesus says, this is a Tim Barton translation, he basically says, hang on, if God clothes the lilies of the field and feeds the birds of the air, how much more will he clothe and feed you? So why do you worry? Why are you worried? And at first we can maybe be a bit sort of offended by that, can't we? Hang on, God, you're comparing me to birds and to flowers. What's going on there? 
But when we dig a bit deeper, we find that actually this is so releasing because in this we find our place as a creature, as a creation that we are created. We realise, oh yes, I am part of creation. It doesn't all depend on me. It's not down to me. The world does not depend on me. He is in control. God is in control. He is the creator. He is the maker. And I am simply part of his plans and his purposes. Yes, of more value than birds and flowers, according to Jesus. And yet, still part of his plans and his purposes. And if God has them in his hands and looks after them, how much more will he look after you? And look after me. So in keeping Sabbath, the people were reminded and reminded those around them and made a statement, I am not the creator. We are not the creator. We are the created. But God is the creator. And they continue to put their hope and their trust in him. The second thing I think, well, the second one I want to talk about this morning is that Sabbath was a sign that God is the provider. Now, um, Sabbath itself was sort of established right at creation. That's its origins. Uh, But Israel's sort of first practice of keeping Sabbath as a community actually came much later. As a community, when they were rescued out of Egypt, they went into the wilderness and God began to teach them how to walk with him and what it actually looked like to walk with God. And in Exodus 16, it tells the story of God providing manna for the people of God to eat in the desert. And it basically goes like this. The people were grumbling. It's normally a common sign, isn't it? Regular, that happens today. People are grumbling to Moses and Aaron and they're basically out in the wilderness, wandering around. And what they're saying is, you know, it was bad enough in Egypt, but at least we had full bellies. You've, God's brought us or you've brought us out here and now God's gonna kill us in the wilderness. So they were getting totally the wrong end of the stick. They totally misunderstand what is going on and what God is doing. Now, God, in his grace and his mercy, decides that he will rain down a thing called manna, which is a sort of flaky, fine bread that they find on the ground each day. And they're commanded to go out each day and gather up the manna. And each day there'll be enough for the day, just enough for the day. And if they keep extra, which some of them do, it'll go all horrible and smell and worms will go into it and it won't be very nice. And that happens every day except on the sixth day. And on the sixth day, they're commanded to get that that day's sort of amount plus enough for the next day for the Sabbath. So they don't have to go out on the Sabbath. Now, as is normally the case with Israel and people and us today, they kind of mess it up and do the wrong thing. But God gives this way of showing them and teaching them very practically, I am the creator, I am the provider. I am your provider. I will give you enough and you must trust me. And remarkably, Exodus 16 says that when the people gathered some more, some less, when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. How amazing is that? What a miracle. And what God is teaching the people here is quite, I think, a difficult concept for humans to grasp. It's the way of saying, look, yes, you've got to do your part. You have a part to play in this. You go and gather. But ultimately, I am the provider. And he's teaching the people of Israel this. You imagine that every day, just going out, and you know there's only enough for that day on that day. But then on the Sabbath, you have to trust God that he will provide 
on that day. I wonder what our mentality is today. How do we live in our culture, in our individualistic culture? Who is the provider? Who's the provider? It's you, isn't it? All down to you. When you look at our society, that is our mentality. Our worldview ultimately is that I am my own provider. And so it's no wonder that all kinds of fear and anxiety is in our lives. Thirdly, Sabbath was a sign that God is the deliverer. In Deuteronomy 5 verse 15, it says this, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The Sabbath was a weekly reminder for the people of Israel that he was the one that had delivered them. It's like God saying, did you rescue yourself out of Egypt? Did you, you know, was it your great plans and your great initiatives and your great force that got you out of Egypt? No. Actually, you walked, you literally, it's amazing, you literally walked out of Egypt carrying the riches of Egypt because of the work that God had done because of his mighty hand. And how often today we begin, and I do it so often, I begin to rely on myself as my deliverer and as my saviour. It just happens like that so quickly. We say things like, you know, well, if I don't do it, no one will. I'm sure we've all said that at some point. You know, we've got to look after number one or that God helps those who help themselves. And I think this is a great reminder and a great way for us when we're tempted to begin to rely on ourselves as our saviours and as our deliverer. As Christians, we can ask ourselves that, can't we? How did you come to salvation? How did you, you know, how were you saved? Was it your, did you earn your way there? Did you fight your way there? Was it your good ideas that got you there? No. As a Christian, you literally walked out of darkness, out of the power of sin, out of the lies of the enemy, you walked out of it and, and into the riches of heaven. Why? How? Because God is our saviour, because of the work of Jesus on the cross, because he is our deliverer. And so let us not return to seeing ourselves as the saviour. Let us not return to seeing ourselves as our deliverer, but continue in that way of living and seeing God as our deliverer. So, God as our deliverer, God as our provider, God as our creator. I wonder if we can put our trust in God. Clearly, as I've said, Sabbath is redefined and transformed through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. As I said at the start, we won't be executing anyone if they don't go away from this and start practicing Sabbath. However, you know, I do think that in some ways we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, you know what I mean? We've sort of said, well, we don't need any of that and we've cracked on. And actually, if you look at our lives, I wonder if they look more like the nations around Israel than Israel itself. And now for me personally, uh, I don't, strictly keep Sabbath as in a 24-hour period in my life. But I have to say, I'm deeply challenged and encouraged by those I know who are practicing that 
and do see that as part of their life. We have some people here in our own church family. There's others I know outside of our church and family who sort of have that rhythm of just ceasing completely and just spending time resting and with God and with friends and, and that sort of thing. It's really, really um, challenging and encouraging. I know Liz, my wife, she's um, recently read a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Anyone read that book? Recommend it, yeah, yeah. I haven't read it, but I've read bits, but Liz recommends it. But it's a great, a great book that really kind of part of it pushes this whole idea of Sabbath in the modern day. How do we begin to take some of those principles and some of the realities that God uh, teaches in the, um, in the Sabbath and bring it into our, our everyday life? It's a really easy read as well. If you struggle to read, I'd really recommend it. It's a really simple read, but some profound truths in that. And what I want to do is finish our time this morning uh, by asking a simple but maybe a profound question for your life this morning. What does the way that you live your life communicate to yourself and to those around you? You see, God gave Israel Sabbath as a sign that God was their creator and their deliverer and their provider, amongst other things. It's a weekly pattern that reminded them of these truths, these deeper truths in their life. I wonder what the pattern and rhythms of our life re reveal about what we believe deep down. And you remember at the start, we said that the way that we behave perhaps says more about us than the things that we say. We demonstrate our beliefs by the way that we live, not how we talk. And it's amazing, through Sabbath, you know, they, Israel cared for their workers. They cared for the poor. They cared for the land. There's even Sabbath for the animals. How amazing is that? Even the ox gets a break in, in God's world. It's amazing. But what about our lives? What do our patterns, our rhythms, our routines say about our lives? Do they declare to ourselves and to those around us that we know that God is the provider, that God is the creator, that God is the deliverer? Or do they say that we are or somebody else is? And a few suggestions for you before we close. Number one, why not look into Sabbath? If this touches something in you, and you think, mm, that's interesting. Why not dig deeper into Sabbath? You can look on our website. Adrian did, as I said, a whole series on it. Just type Sabbath into our podcast section and you'll find a load of teaching there. Um, dig deeper into it. Why not look at that book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry? Very, very easy read. Pick that up. That will really begin to explore this whole area with you. Maybe you want to talk to some people that are maybe a bit further down exploring Sabbath. I can put you in touch with some people that might be helpful. Or number two, what about some small things you could do? Maybe you don't feel ready or called to sort of set aside 24 hours. But what about some small things that you could change in your life that start to speak of these realities? Um, someone once challenged me to spend five minutes a day just silent before God. No praying, no asking, no reading, just silence. Just be with God. Just give five minutes a day just to be with God. What about, here's one, here's one to challenge myself. This is me not doing what I'm saying, but what about actually taking a lunch break? That might be revolutionary for some of us, hasn't it? Actually break in the day and just take some time. Uh, so, you know, why not just stop for a moment and just be 
It's a thought. How about cutting down our weekend activities so that we actually have more time for family, friends, prayer, worship, just enjoying each other, just being. Why not cutting things down so we're not so busy and giving ourselves to things that remind us of who God is. But most of all, number three, this is what I would like us to do, including myself off the back of this, is to stop, step back, and look at our lives, our rhythms, our patterns, the things that we do, and ask ourselves, what is this communicating? What is it saying to ourselves and to those around us? Is it communicating that God is the provider? God is our creator? God is our deliverer? Or does it say that it all depends on me? Or does it say, say that it all depends on me? Something else. I think we'll, we've got time to invite the band back. So does the band want to come back on? And yeah, I'm just going to pray and let that settle really. It's not sort of a, um, a response in terms of like come out and get prayed for. It's more a let's go away and think about it and talk about it with our friends, talk about it with our family and ask God, God, what are you saying to me? How do you want to change things in my life uh, out of this. So yeah, Father God, we thank you for your ways. Father, we thank you that you establish a way of life, Lord, that isn't dependent on me. And Lord, I ask for your forgiveness for where I, which I do often, start to think that everything relies on me and it's all down to what I can do. And Lord, I ask that you all remind me of those truths, that you are our creator. You are our deliverer. And you are our provider. And that our trust in you would grow, Lord, individually, but also as a community, as a group, Father, as a church family, and as the church, Lord, that we would put more and more of our hope in you, we pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Amblecote Christian Centre. For more information about who we are, what we believe and how you can get involved, check out our website www.amblecotechristiancentre.org.uk